Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're in this career for so long where your self-worth is what everyone else thinks about you, which is crazy. Welcome to this episode of Range, Stories of the New American West. I'm Amy Westervelt. And I'm Julia Ritchie. You just heard from snowboarder Megan Pischke in the intro. You'll hear more about her transition out of pro sports in a minute. Right. So basically, we live in the Sierras, which is this weird part of the country that is full of pro athletes, but not like recognizable NBA stars or anything. It's these people who climb Everest multiple times or throw themselves off of cliffs in the X Games. The bartender at one of the three bars in the town I live in, he's the world's best ultramarathoner. Because, of course, what else would you be doing when you're not ultramarathoning? Right? Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But there's this weird thing where all of a sudden they start getting older and one day they're out of that world and have to just deal with being another plebe. I never really thought about that before, but yeah, I can see how that would be rough. I mean, first of all, you're like the best in the world at something and then all of a sudden you're just looking for a job like everyone else. And then also your identity must get so like tied up in being that top competitor. Exactly. Especially since most of them don't have degrees or alternative careers to fall back on. But even when they do, it's still not easy. I sat down with pro skier Cody Townsend a few months ago. He co-founded a belt company with a couple of friends of his that's doing pretty well. But even still, he's nervous about what's going to happen when his skiing career ends. tough transition for a lot of people um i haven't i'm not there quite yet but i'm seeing that coming up and it definitely you know i i don't know what to expect i don't know what to to feel like when all of a sudden i don't get to go on these trips that i've got on for the last 15 years um you know i've set myself up with a with a career um outside of it that could be great so that transition like the financial transition will hopefully be eased because that's also a big part of it but you know mentally uh, i have no idea yet That's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, totally. I talked to a psychologist, this guy Rob Gaffney, who works mostly with athletes going through this transition, and he basically said there's no easy way through it. Making that transition from the old identity, which might have been the pro skiing identity or pro athlete identity, to the new identity, there's a letdown that occurs, and you have to be able to tolerate that letdown to be able to move forward in life. And if you don't, then you run into all kinds of problems because life just has this tendency to push you forward anyway. Yeah, and it doesn't mean it's getting worse. But I think going from a professional athlete standpoint into the next stage, it looks like it's going to be worse. It looks like you're not going to get that positive affirmation from people that you've always gotten. It it looks like your physical skills aren't going to be up to par uh, compared to what they once were. Um, But all these new doors open up if you can allow yourself the flexibility to shift. 
So is there anything that Gaffney recommends people do to either prepare for it or at least deal with it once it happens? I asked him that, too, and it kind of seems like not really. He mostly just encourages people to not try too hard to hold on to their old identity and to be open to what's coming next and try not to be too negative about it. Yeah, that's easy. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I think Bill Johnson, the downhill skier, would be a great example. He was a decorated downhill skier on the U.S. ski team. I think when he was in his upper 30s, he decided to go back into it and he was going to recapture that old glory, you know. And that rigidity in terms of a personality structure, realizing that that life was based on that history, uh, that rigidity forced him back into something that ended up injuring him severely in the process. And he, in one of the training runs, got a severe tra- traumatic brain injury and so on. So we do this sort of thing all the time. We kind of grab on toward the, our, our old identities where, you know, we had this glory. We had these glory years and we had this positive affirmation from everybody. And uh, when we do that, life has a tendency to show us that that's not the direction you need to be going in. And for him, it was devastating. That guy, Bill Johnson, he actually died recently as a result of those injuries, even though it's been a number of years now. Gaffney actually forwarded his obit to me a week or so after we talked. Jeez. So that sounds like the worst extreme of what can happen if people don't handle the transition well. But are there any success stories before our listeners hurl themselves off the side of a cliff? (laughs) Well, actually, Megan Pischke, who we heard from in the intro, had a pretty cool take on it. Here's her story. The transition was pretty swift as I got pregnant while I was still under contract and competing in big mountain events and X Games. And so I was like, oh, gosh, okay, well, maybe I can do this. You know, I'll have the baby. And and here I am, like, breastfeeding in between runs in Alaska and, like, standing (laughs) on the top of my line, knowing that my baby and my husband are waiting down there for me. And I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) You know, at the time, my husband was a pro snowboarder. He's transitioning out of his career now um, as a pro snowboarder. But at the time, I just thought, you know, maybe I could pull this off. But I just, you know, standing up there, I was like, oh, God, I have to choose a mom line down this now because I have somebody who depends on me. I got a feeder. You know, we made a a conscious choice in some degree to be parents and um, the both of us. I wouldn't say that we're life risking, you know, we're really calculated and, and, you know, but you still have that, that element of, you never know what's going to happen during that day. So I kind of, you know, put, started to kind of put my snowboarding aside a bit and my sponsor, the North Face at the time was really awesome and really um, open to me trying to find a new path while I was under contract, obviously. So I helped design the little kids' clothes. We helped start the kids' line. It seems to me like women would be more prepared for this sort of transition in general because we have to do it in various stages of life and when we have kids, right? Totally. But Pishke says it still took her a while, and she grappled with a lot of the identity issues that Gaffney talked about, too. Also, now her husband is transitioning out of his pro snowboarding career, and she says she's able to relate a little bit, but also it's just sort of this journey that everyone has to go through on their own. Here she is again. It wasn't a super easy transition because it was a couple years of, like, you know, watching my husband go out on powder days, and I'm changing poopy diapers, and I'm cleaning the bathroom, and I'm trying to find my way, and not, you know, I didn't go to college. I was snowboarding, so... Mm -hmm. um, You know, I wouldn't say that it was super easy. 
and especially being that person who I feel like I've got to exercise all the time or not necessarily exercise, but just get that dose of the outdoors and a hardcore workout to feel good. (laughs) Speaking of which, was that little Roscoe cooing uh, I heard in the background there? Uh, Yeah, I had that little guy strapped to me for a whole interview, which was sort of a funny coincidence. You always do. I know, it's true. (laughs) Luckily, Pishki said that she had like her, I think she has a four-year-old that was like running around in the background too. So we were like, okay, it's cool then. (laughs) We're we're equals. (laughs) Yeah. But she had some really interesting stuff to say about going from getting all this external affirmation from other people to building a really solid sense of who you are and getting that internally again. Man, she seems like she really has it together. (laughs) Right? Okay, now compare that with Townsend's description of how he's seen sort of the first generation of these like famous X Games guys deal with their transition into normal life. I look at the, the guys I grew up watching and it's it's interesting to see it. So like there's Mike Douglas, who's called the Godfather of Freeskiing. There's Chris Davenport, who is one of the original kind of guys, Seth Morrison and like Shane McConkey. And you look at like it's like four studies of it and these guys were leaders leaders of of the sport of the generation and obviously mcconkey passed away yeah um you can kind of almost put that on account of like it obviously it's shane being shane and he was just crazy and wanted to do like mind-blowing stuff um but at the same time it's like his career was like 40 years old his ski base jumping was a way to like continue to stay relevant and stay on top of the game and uh you know ultimately kill them and yeah. then you have like seth morrison who is kind of just turning into this hermit and he's just lost and i don't even know i i skied with him last year but i haven't like seen or heard from him since and yeah. he built a cabin out in the woods somewhere <laughs> he's living out in the woods like literally with yeah, off, off the grid and I'm like, oh, he's 40 years old, 41. And you're like, how is he going to make the next 25, 30 years of life? And then the other two, Chris Davenport and Mike Douglas, and Douglas started his own production company. And he's making films that, like, this last one just won Banff, you know? And mm-hmm. he's still a professional skier, sort of, but that's because he's in his own little films and whatnot. And then there's Chris Davenport, who is just, like, ambassador to the world and he just goes skis with bankers and like runs camps and does all this stuff and stays on top of it but then there's like the next level down you're like where did they all go what yeah. are they all doing and it's interesting to see because there's always you, you either can take that position that you have and really work hard to transition it but you're gonna have to like step outside of your normal game of trying to be on top of the world and try and you gotta take some days off skiing to figure out next step or like, or you're like Seth and you just keep folks on skiing and then just kind of dissolve out into the woods. <laughs> Not to be a sexist here, but it kind of seems like women actually work through the identity crisis and the dudes need to find some other way to still be famous. Yep, it sounds exactly like that. Here's Gaffney, the psychologist, on that front. To be a pro athlete, you definitely have something to prove. Mm-hmm. And I think most people who make it up to that level actually in any in anything in life you know whether you're a business owner or a fortune 500 ceo there's conflict there and that conflict drives you to do better to achieve and to keep moving and and uh, that kind of conflict doesn't allow you to sit and be at peace just in your in, in one place at one point in time so it drives you to keep moving and so you know i think a lot of a lot of people that reach these high levels do have conflict that drives them there and that same conflict kind of 
makes things rigid for them that they have to achieve and they have to keep punching forward. And when they have to shift and they have to be mentally flexible, which is a sign of psychological health, they have difficulty doing that. What, what I tend to do for the athletes is I validate what their inner thoughts are truly saying to them. They've got a lot of external pressure on them to go back into the old position there, but internally they know they need to move forward. And so in a, in a sense, just by validating kind of what their inner thought what their inner thoughts are, it gives them permission to move forward. And so I've worked with some athletes that, uh, you know, were trying to hold on desperately to a career path that just it wasn't working out for them and it was going to perhaps injure them. And, and uh, you know, to a degree, I've helped kind of pave a path for them off of that and off of that track. And uh, to some degree, they had to deal with a lot of letdown. And sometimes when I'm working with them, I wonder, gosh, am I doing the right thing here? I mean, should I be encouraging them to go for it and try to get that gold? Yeah. And, and yet at the same time, years later, most of those people come back and say, thank you for, for helping with that. Man, that's some deep shit, <laughs> right? I kind of felt like I was having a therapy session. That guy's good. Anywho, what's up for our next episode, Julia? Well, speaking of people who need therapy, we will be, we only have one episode left uh, this season, uh, and it's actually on the creepy cult of Tesla and what drives its fanboys and its fan base. Awesome. I can't wait. See you next time. This episode of Range was produced by me, Amy Westervelt. And me, Julia Ritchie. All of our original music was produced by the talented Mr. David Whited. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to us on iTunes, or you can find us on the Stitcher app. Our partner is High Country News, a magazine focused on Western issues. Check them out at hcn.org. And if you have an idea for a show or want to tell us what you're the best at, send us a note at howdy at rangepodcast.org. For more frequent updates on our show, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you soon. Bye. I hope he doesn't get in trouble with his bros for saying all that stuff. (laughs) It's okay. No one listens. They won't listen to us. That's true.